0: Located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books Institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. The Pioneer Institute has a collection of essays on a narrow subject that I thought would interest our listeners. It's called A Vision of Hope, Catholic Schooling in Massachusetts. There is a forward by our own George Weigel, uh, and the editors are Chris Sinicola and Kara Kandel. Uh, Dr. Kandel is with us today. She's a senior fellow at the Pioneer Institute and at the Center for Education Reform. She's served as research professor at Boston University, also the author of The Fight for the Best Chartered Public Schools in the Nation. Welcome, Professor Candell.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today.
0: Uh, well, first, the background question. What was the impetus for this volume of essays?
1: The volume actually comprises essays that have been written probably you know in the past 10 years, although certainly they have been updated over time. And it's timely in the sense that um, I think that there's a lot of attention on Catholic schools right now in 2021 as we have weathered, a year now of this pandemic, and since September, Catholic schools across the country have been open for in-person learning when other schools have not. So, you know, a lot of people are thinking, wow, sort of, what's what's that secret sauce? And (laughs) the impetus from this book from the beginning was to look at very specifically, as you said, it's a narrow subject, very specifically Catholic schools in Massachusetts, sort of to see how it is that they hold up, whether they hold up, to, as I'm sure you know well, um, a body of research that talks about Catholic schools more generally and their strong academic outcomes, and the strong academic outcomes that they produce specifically for economically disadvantaged children, children from diverse backgrounds, um, you know, especially in urban centers. So that, that's sort of what's really at the crux of it, is getting at, like, do, are Catholic schools in Massachusetts, do they represent this body of research that points out, really, quite frankly, how great Catholic schools in general are, especially those in urban centers and they close achievement gaps and such. And then I would say, you know, just the second part of it was to sort of highlight the fact that these are a national treasure, a national resource that unfortunately is. Dying out might be um, sort of a, an, an exaggeration, an exaggerated way of put it, but, but certainly they are in danger. We are seeing Catholic schools, especially in urban centers, disappear. And we wanted to highlight, you know, why in fact it's so important that we don't let that happen.
0: Now, chapter one is by Raymond Flynn and Marianne Glendon. Marianne Glendon is a, a long time First Things insider, contributor. Uh, what is their broad message? It gets to what you said a moment ago about the value of Catholic schools. What do they highlight is so great about Catholic schools?
1: They, they start off the chapter by saying, quoting Walker Percy, and saying, You can get all aid and still trunk life, <laughs> um, and, and I think that that's a really fitting way to, part, to start the chapter, because what Glenn and Glendon really talk about here is the fact that Catholic schools are not only about high academic um, standards, they're not only about a really rigorous rib- liberal arts curriculum, a really, um, you know, rooted in, you know, reading great works, and really... But they're also places of character. They're, they are places that are focused on developing, well, good Catholics, <laughs> and developing good citizens and putting putting good on they, their place. They build character for kids. And I think that this is something that they, they juxtapose to contemporary secular education, where, you know, I think it's safe to say that in a lot of schools today, um, there's sort of this fear of crossing a line and talking about, not just what does it mean to be a good person, but what does it mean to live the good life, to seek truth and to seek knowledge. And to do so, Catholic schools are able to do so in a way that is, of course, rooted in the Catholic faith and rooted in religious tradition. And that's something that attracts parents. That's something that we know from research produces good, strong, um, not only academic outcomes for people, but strong life outcomes and happiness. And I think that that's really a lot of what it comes down to for them. It's about the urgency of providing children not only with intellectual development, but the spiritual and moral ideals, as they put it, necessary for a flourishing life.
0: What you just mentioned about the Catholic schools doing very good things for kids brings us to your entry, the next one in the volume. Uh, How well do Catholic students perform in Boston relative to public school students?
1: They perform quite well, and I think it's really important that we. You, know, we're talking very specifically about Boston, and we're talking about uh, Boston's public schools in comparison to Boston's Catholic schools. And the importance here is that they tend to serve the same types of students. So you'll always hear these arguments, whether it's between charter schools and the public school and the district schools, or Catholic schools and the district schools. Well, there must be some sort of selection bias there. There must be some sort of the parents who are able to get into these schools have more money or they have more social capital.
0: Well, I was going to say that they, they, they do better because these are all rich kids with private tutors, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. So, you know, the reason that we make this comparison, the, the district schools to the Catholic schools, is because the Catholic schools tend to serve a, the same types of students, meaning same economic background, same racial background, as as the district schools, with very, very slight variation. And as we can talk about in a moment, the way in which they do that is by not only keeping tuition low, but even in many cases, if a family can't afford a tuition, many Catholic schools are figuring out a way, and, you know, with the help of philanthropists, with like Catholic school foundations, and others, to help children access a Catholic education, help families access a Catholic education, sometimes with no money at all. So you would think that you have this sort of apples-to-apples comparison, and that the kids. If, they're, if it's all about socioeconomic status in schools, if it's all about social backgrounds, then certainly these kids should be performing at the same level. But indeed, that is not what we find. And what we look at in the book is we look at standardized test scores. Of course, Catholic schools don't have to administer the state test, which we think is a good thing, but norm reference tests, so more rigorous tests, in fact, on Stanford 10 scores, SAT scores, things like that. And the fact of the matter is, is that Archdiocese of Boston schools outperform the Boston public schools um, on every measure. And that's held true for, for quite a long time. And so, and I might add that this isn't even looking at things. This is just straight up looking at test scores. We know that college going rates are better. We know that graduation rates are better in the Catholic schools. And that doesn't even begin to capture what we might call some of the soft, Outcomes. So, like, what do people go on to do in life? Do they go on to be happy, fulfilled people? And we have qualitative data out of Notre Dame and other places that reports that Catholic schools have an advantage in this way as well with their graduates.
0: What happened to the Catholic schools in the 60s and 70s?
1: The Catholic schools in the 60s and 70s, as those uh, who might have attended, like my own parents did, Catholic schools in the 60s and others know that this was a time of great transition in the Catholic Church. And since that time, you know, Catholic schools used to be, um, run by, by priests and nuns. And since that time, um, there's been a huge transition over to the laity. So lay people are now the majority of teachers, many, in many cases, even administrators in Catholic schools. And what that's meant is a huge shift in the financial model (laughs) because, um, you know, uh, People who worked for the church and had dedicated their lives for the church weren't commanding a salary. <laughs> they were affiliated with a parish and the parish would support them. But, you know, we, we've transitioned to a model where we have to pay teachers. We have to pay administrators. Um, in many cases, uh, with with Catholic churches, parishes closing, um, there are different facilities costs born. So in short, what's happened is that the, the cost of Catholic education has risen, and at the same time, the Catholic Church as an entity is so committed to education all over the world, I should say, and so committed to you know, spreading education through Catholic schooling that you've got quite a conundrum because you've got this rising cost of what it takes to educate kids, to, to keep buildings open, to pay teachers and administrators, yet this commitment to serving all comers. So as I mentioned before, folks who can't afford the cost of a Catholic education are still welcomed into our Catholic schools. Therefore, far too many of our Catholic schools have been operating at budget deficits for a very long time and or just completely reliant upon philanthropy to survive. And I I don't just mean philanthropy through the collection plate at church, but philanthropy through the good of um, foundations and those who have graduated from Catholic schools. And so it's... um, it, to be utterly transparent, it is a rough financial model. <laughs> it has unfortunately led to to the closures of just thousands of Catholic schools over the years. And then the impact of economic recessions. So the recession at the beginning of this century was was particularly tough on Catholic schools, um, and you know uh, particularly tough in certain grades as well. So we've seen, for example, that people will put their kids in Catholic preschool, but then transition out to a public school. So we're seeing sort of, in some places, an unsustainable model of doing schooling. You know, public schools couldn't survive in this way uh, without being bailed out by, with local property taxes, etc. And unfortunately, Catholic schools have to rely on their parishioners and, and philanthropy to survive in many cases.
0: However, the tuition of Catholic schools... Is much lower than the average cost per student in the public schools. Correct?
1: Oh, so much lower. So so much lower. Well,
0: actually, what what are the numbers in in Massachusetts, or maybe in Boston?
1: So the numbers in Boston, I have to um, go back to this chapter that I write right, that I revised quite some time ago. But let's just put it at sort of an average in yeah. in just public schools generally, in Massachusetts, right? So if you can think that an average tuition, an average per pupil expenditure. Um, and in the archdiocese of boston remember it encompasses a lot of cities but if an average per pupil expenditure in a place like boston is say let's call it sixteen thousand dollars per pupil in a place like cambridge it's more along the lines of twenty six thousand dollars per pupil
0: for the for the public school student
1: for the public school students those are for district schools what's being spent between your state and local um input and we don't always count the federal the federal share there because it tends to be really small that's Another conversation given the stimulus package that was just passed. But, um, but Catholic schools are doing it for much, much less, for almost half the cost. So, you know, true cost of a Catholic education might be somewhere close to, uh, $9,000 a year. And the Catholic schools are, and I'm just giving, it, giving examples here, proportional. Catholic schools might be charging six or seven in some cases. So they're very rarely charging the real cost of tuition at all. But the, kind, the education they are providing, which has superior academic outcomes, is they're still doing it for less. They're getting more bang for their buck than the district schools are.
0: Would you attribute the improved, the superior academic outcomes to this spiritual character element? You know,
1: there's really something there. I mean, one of the things that's very interesting, and my own mentor, Charlie Glenn, has written about this a lot when it comes to private schools in general. So... Catholic schools are certainly no exception, but private schools in general, for example, um, a lot of people don't realize this, but they, they often pay their teachers far less than teachers would make in the public schools. So let's put it this way. I think right now as we sit here in 2021, and I'm, I'm going to guess because I haven't looked at the updated data that the average salary in a place like Boston public schools is probably north of about ninety thousand dollars per year. That's the average, right? So they have high starting salaries, and then if you stay in the system a long time, you're making a pretty generous salary, and certainly far more than most people think teachers make. Um, in Catholic schools, it's going to be closer to fifty thousand to forty thousand dollars a year. But interestingly, people stay, <laughs> it's not to say they never leave, but they stay, and they stay in this environment when, when, you, when you conduct research on this qualitative research, you know, people say, I am things like, I am dedicated to the mission of this school, I am, I am a devout Catholic, and this is what is important to me, I am dedicated to teaching in the Catholic faith, in the Catholic tradition, and, and to these ideals about what it means to be a flourishing human being, and so that certainly does have something to do with it. And I think as well, if we think about just sort of for those of us who might have gone to Catholic schools, um, I myself did not, I am a product of of regular old district schools in Canton, Michigan, but my parents went to, and I've observed in my research, many, many Catholic schools, there's something to be said for, I wouldn't characterize all Catholic schools as sort of old fashioned as people think about it, but, but there's something to be said for a more traditional approach, right? And so... Catholic schools teach to a high standard and they expect everybody to reach it. That doesn't mean that they're not differentiating instruction to help children along who need extra help or something like that. But the model itself is in many ways, it sort of has less embellishment, right? And, and for whatever reason that works and it specifically works for kids who, um, who tend to come to school with the most need, with the biggest academic gaps, Catholic schools close achievement gaps. So, I think it, it goes both to the culture of Catholic schooling, the people who are committed to teaching in Catholic schools and what they bring to the work, as well as to sort of just how these schools are organized. It's about getting down to work, getting down to breath tasks, and getting it done for kids.
0: Would school choice plans help Catholic schools, not just charter schools?
1: School choice plans is, is not even about wood. Um, they in fact do. <laughs> Catholic school. So one of the things we know, you know, we talk about creating a, a private school choice model here in Massachusetts, which in many ways, is, you know, we're, the, we're one of two states in this country where Blaine amendments that were in, for the most part, knocked down by the Supreme Court um, in 2020, our Blaine amendment still holds. And so this prohibits you know, public funds from flowing basically to private institutions generally. But what we know is, you know, there are 20, I think more than 21 um, tax credit scholarship programs in this country. We have a handful. We have five what we call education scholarship account programs, which are essentially school vouchers, that can be used for a variety of purposes, including private school tuition. And then, of course, we have voucher programs in places like Milwaukee and Cleveland and Florida and North Carolina. And what we know is that Catholic schools are largely the beneficiaries of these programs. And that's because in many cases they make up the largest share of private schools, not only that are available to parents, but that parents want. Right. Um, And so where these um, private school choice programs do exist, whether it's a tax credit or a voucher, yes, Catholic schools are largely the beneficiaries. And um, in many cases, those, those programs, especially because they try and match sort of what the state input would be, not necessarily the local, but what, what the state would give a child, those programs are helping Catholic schools not only stay afloat, but, but, but grow their programming. So they can be a real lifeline, which I would say is, is a wonderful side effect of why you should have private school choice. It's not, it's not the reason, <laughs> but certainly in the places where private school choice exists, we see a large share of Catholic schools, and I might add, in the vast majority of studies, I think out of something like uh, 20 to 30 studies, I'm, I'm giving you a range here because I don't have the data in front of me, you know, all but two show improved academic outcomes for the students who participate in private school choice programs. And a lot of that I would attribute to the fact that these children are taking advantage of Catholic schools, which we already know produce better outcomes. So yeah, they could be not only a lifeline, but just sort of, in my opinion, the right thing to do for families and and for kids.
0: Let's pause for a moment for what I believe is one of the best schools of higher learning in the country, the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving, Texas, and Rome, Italy, UD offers a rigorous and exciting core curriculum that sets it apart, an education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition, an education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Fidelity to man requires fidelity to the truth, which alone is the guarantee of freedom and of the possibility of integral human development. Those are the words of Pope Benedict, quoted at the University of Dallas, and guiding educators in all the departments of the university undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Boston is such a strong Catholic city. Uh, Is general sentiment in the state of Massachusetts strongly in favor of Catholic schooling, or do you see a tapering (laughs) off?
1: Oh, um, It's really interesting. I think that you know, I, I, would, I thought you were going to ask me, is sentiment generally in favor of supporting Catholic schooling, <laughs> meaning financially or helping them thrive? And I would think that I would, my answer would be that I think Boston as a community certainly recognizes the value of Catholic schooling. And that's not just because Boston, Boston has, you know, for a long time been known as a city Full of Catholics, But when you look at, a, at the makeup of Boston's Catholic schools, in fact, many, many non-Catholics choose to use the Catholic schools. That's an interesting feature of Catholic schooling everywhere, but very specifically in Boston. So if you walk into, for example, Cathedral High School in Boston, you're going to encounter an incredibly diverse student body, and diverse in all ways. Diverse in terms of religious tradition and faith, diverse in terms of socioeconomic background, diverse in terms of race ethnicity, right? And I think that's because, well, I know that's because parents tell us that when they're looking for an alternative to secular education, even if they are not themselves practicing Catholics, they recognize value in giving their children an education that is rooted in faith. And for them, an education that is rooted in the Catholic tradition you know, jives for the most part with what it is they they want their children to be (laughs) as they grow. So I think that there is support for Catholic education in Boston and in Massachusetts more generally. Unfortunately, that support in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, which is a very, um, uh, which is a heavily unionized state and where our teachers unions wield a lot of influence and our teachers unions are very opposed nationally to any sort of private school choice, what that translates into is support for Catholic schools, but not necessarily support for the reforms that would help Catholic schools to um, recover some financial stability.
0: You brought up, the, the volume brings up an interesting issue regarding special ed. And a lot of people don't realize just what a huge factor special education is in in funding and in education law at, at this point. And, the implication is the state of edu- the state of Massachusetts is actually blocking special ed in Catholic schools. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, they are they are trying to amend it. Um, you know, that's, there have been findings that the, that the state is in violation of not providing students with um, with the funding that they are due under IDEA, the Individuals Disabilities Individual with Disabilities Education Act. So what a lot of people don't know is special education in this country is, in fact, the largest, the original voucher program. <laughs> so what, you know, what that means is that if you have a student with a need that cannot be met in the setting to which they are assigned, that cannot be met in the district setting, that that student under law, under federal law, is entitled to a free and appropriate placement. So that student is entitled to an education that meets their needs. And if a district can't provide that, then the district has to pay for that, even if it means in the private school setting. And so Massachusetts, and unfortunately the Commonwealth is not alone in this, has been blocking those funds from going to uh, to faith-based schools for some time, a misinterpretation of federal law. They're cited by the Federal Department of Education for this violation.
0: Are, are the are the teachers are the teachers unions behind that blocking?
1: It's hard to say that it's hard to pin it just on the teachers unions, but absolutely, uh, teachers unions across the country will do almost anything to prevent money flowing from anywhere except to their unions and to the public school system. But I think that it's not um, just the teachers unions; it's a bureaucratic exercise in it, it, it's a bias against faith based schools. Very generally speaking. And, you know, in Massachusetts, as I said, we have a very strong, what is called a Blaine, what is referred to as a Blaine Amendment, um, an anti-aid amendment. And um, this often gets confused with what children and families are entitled to under federal law. And so I I don't think it can be entirely pinned on the teachers unions, but certainly they, they play a supporting role and this is something that um, that is not going to weigh. It's been highlighted not only in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, but in other states across the country. And I'm glad that it's something the authors um, of this chapter highlight for us because it's incredibly important. And it's it's incredibly important, I might add, for parents to understand their rights and be educated about this because it's the parents that are able to, to bring this to the attention of, of lawmakers and to the Federal Department of Education.
0: Did the Massachusetts Catholic schools adopt Common Core math and English?
1: When I was writing the first of the standards for this book, um, there was a move for the Catholic schools not necessarily to adopt Common Core standards, but to align themselves with the Common Core. Now, as you know, um, you know, Catholic schools are very diverse in terms of governance structures, so they can essentially operate as they please. Um, The Archdiocese of Boston was was making uh, what I thought, quite frankly, personally, was um, an ill-informed move <laughs> to, to align themselves with the Common Core standards, and ultimately many schools did not. And, um, and it's not, that's not a knock against Common Core. That's not what I'm saying at all. But one of the things that we highlight in this book is that if Catholic schools have one thing, they have many things that differentiate them, right? But the primary thing <laughs> that differentiates Catholic schools from their public school counterparts is that they are Catholic. <laughs> They're Catholic. They have been delivering this very high-quality brand of Catholic education for centuries. And um, in, in this country, you know, and in this city for um, 100 years plus. And this is something that they need to continue to do in order to differentiate themselves. And, you know, one of the things that I um, always like to say is if I'm going to choose to pay any sort of tuition to a private school, but especially a Catholic school, why would I want the same curriculum that's being taught in the school down the street that, that I'm already paying property taxes to, right? I'm looking for something different. And I think at the end of the day, many, many Catholic schools across the country heard that. So some of them might have standards that look similar to the
0: Common Core, but
1: by and large, in fact, Common Core across this country, um, not many states that adopted it in the first place are, are even practicing it right now.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, uh, my, well, my son's Catholic school— He's in. He's doing, He's in geometry right now, and it's Common Core math. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It, it's just Girl. terrible. I'm, I'm speaking. I I I actually worked on the Common Core English, the mm-hmm. literature standards mm-hmm. in in high school. That I think came up with some good some good literary historical standards that most most of the schools ignored. <laughs> that, that did adopt yeah. Common Core. And actually, did a did a report for Pioneer on mm-hmm. on, on Common Core English, but. One thing that you, one of your contributors highlights is Catholic schools should not try to align themselves with the public schools. They will lose their distinctiveness. They will not look like a, a reasonable option to a lot, of, a lot of parents. Have they over, have many schools made that mistake? Catholic schools of just trying to mimic the public schools too much.
1: Yes, absolutely. But I would say they probably make that mistake less in terms of curriculum and more in terms of erring on the side of just not being Catholic, right? I I mean, so you can walk into a lot of Catholic schools these days and not necessarily feel anything Catholic about them. And I think that, you know, as I said before, even non-Catholic parents who choose Catholic schools know what it is they are choosing. And so they are choosing a, a, a type of education, not just for the strong academics, but for the character development, for this sense that my child is getting something extra when they're here, and that is the people that surround my child are modeling and teaching them what it means to, to contribute to society in a really specific way, to be a person with, with a strong moral point of view and, and, and good character. And Catholic schools, by virtue of their Catholicism, by virtue of the faith, by virtue of being private schools, they are much more able to talk freely about these things than their public p- counterparts feel they can. That's not not say public schools can't. They absolutely can, and some of the really good ones do. But too many don't. And Catholic schools need to distinguish themselves in this particular way.
0: If you had one recommendation to give to struggling Catholic schools in a city, what would that be? Final question, Cara. Oh, boy. And, and, we're, and we're we're writing this in stone, and we're going to disseminate <laughs> to schools all across the country, so please measure your words well, carefully.
1: I think that it goes right back to what i was just saying and i think that that final piece of advice is know who you are right so you have a distinct proposition on the table a distinct proposition to offer parents and time has proven that that parents want that that families want that i mean if you look at You know, a lot of, we've lost a lot of Catholic schools to this pandemic, unfortunately, but it wasn't because parents were washing their hands of Catholic schools. It was, in fact, most of the schools that closed closed at the end of last spring, at the end of spring 2020, um, because parents simply couldn't make those final tuition payments, right? And then the ones that were able to remain open, remained open, many have managed to remain open throughout the school year for in-person learning. And, you know, they've done, they have approached the, their, their very survival throughout the pandemic in a way that says, we know who we are. This is what we have to offer you. We are going to offer you um, a safe, high-quality education, and we are committed to your kids. And so I think that that's my piece of advice, is know what it is you offer and continue to give it. And I think that at the end of the day, parents and families will rally around our Catholic school.
0: Cara Kandel? Thank you for joining us. The book is called A Vision of Hope, Catholic Schooling in Massachusetts. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.